Welcome to another episode of Delving Into Dance. Before introducing this week's guest, I want to thank you all for your support. This little platform for dance makers keeps growing with new and engaged audiences. Please keep up your support, spread the word, and if you would be so kind, leave a review on iTunes or on Facebook. Now for this wonderful episode. Introducing one of my most favourite people in this world, Beck Reed, who I've had the great pleasure of working with on a number of projects. Beck has one of the biggest hearts and is passionate about making dance an activity available to all. We've all heard somebody say, I can't dance, and I myself might be guilty of such a statement. But for Beck, this statement brings a welcome challenge. Stand back because Beck will have you dancing on the floor in no time. I started by asking Beck, when did she discover dance? A 16-year-old in a regional town, not knowing anything about the arts or having a professional life as an artist. And I saw a contemporary dance work by a youth dance company, and it totally changed my life. What about it? Uh, it was my lightning bolt moment of realising this is exactly what I wanted to commit my life to. Um, and witnessing this dance performance and realising how kinesthetic the whole thing was and that it wasn't relying on words. There were 3,000 people there had come along from the community and I kept looking around going, this is how you really communicate with people. Wow. Yeah, it was extraordinary. So... I went up to the director of the show straight afterwards, like how's that bolshiness, you know, as a teenager, and just sort of fell at her feet and said, please, can I do what you're doing? And she said, come to rehearsal tomorrow. Sight unseen. Boom, done. Wow. That was it. Because 16 for a female to start dance is quite It's really light. late. So I had been admiring all the people who'd been dancing since they were three, doing ballet and beautifully trained and had a very clear focus. And I was like the kid that put my face up to the window and would like fall down the window pane of the dance studio watching them all being so beautiful inside. Oh, amazing. Yeah. But it was also really clear to me that I'd never be a ballerina. I, didn't, I don't have that body type and that wasn't a negative experience but coming into being a teenage girl and going, okay, this is the body I've got. I'm not going to be a nymph, but boy, do I want to move. That was actually Did you want to be empowering. No, no, I wanted to experience it and understand it, but it wasn't my. I just knew I really wanted to move and have a really physical life. So then from 16? So I danced with that company for a year and then the director of that company guided me to being able to study, the option of being able to study at tertiary level. So I auditioned to go to the Western Australian Academy of Performing Arts. I've been Perth. You make and, that sound so elitist. Which was great because it was the opposite. Yeah. And that's why I chose that school, actually, because I knew I was so raw and rough. There's no way I was going to be accepted into other actually very prestigious dance schools, you know, but this uni was, is, I still believe, well known for um, its, its depth and breadth. So my first ballet class was the audition to go to that university. And the ballet master came in and he said, first position. And I leant over my shoulder to the girl behind me and went, oh, what's that? Wow. Yeah. But you got in. I got in. Yeah. Because then fortuitously, after ballet class, you had to do a contemporary solo. And I was like, right, I got this. 
because I'd been dancing with that company for the last year and we had a lot of material and stuff. So I was like, right, I'll show you what, I, what I've got. Because you hear a common experience that men can start later. Yeah. And can get into a school with, yeah. I mean, it's shifting now, but yeah. could get into a school without yeah. necessarily the skills and techniques, whereas yeah. there were so many young girls in the wings ready for that opportunity. Totally. Um, you know, and I was raw and rough and muscular and kind of uncouth. <laughs> I, and I turned up to uni on the first day and, I, you know, there was 20 of us in that intake and they had all started since they were three. But I knew straight away that I had had some special performative experience that they hadn't had because I'd come from dancing in a company that did site-specific work that thousands of people turned up to. That was the given. So I just thought that's what happened, right? Mm. That's what you do. So all of my experience was performative. I had no technique. Boy, could I perform. Mm. <laughs> so that a- was great to go to union and, re- and realise what I'd come with. No technique but a lot of chutzpah. Well, that's the thing too with dance um, when there are people who have started from three and gone all the way through. One, it's a particular, they're, they're very in their body in a particular, in particular way. field, yeah. Um, but ask them to change and that's incredibly difficult. Totally. But two, that's a huge financial investment that their parents are put in for them to do true. a class once a week or twice a week, so maybe true. up to five times a week. So true, of which I'd had none and had sort of dreamed about but wasn't a possibility for me. But also so, it, yeah, it, it, it excludes a lot of people who otherwise yes. would be amazing dancers. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, but can't and maybe, financially commit necessarily or their parents can't financially commit to putting in that training. Absolutely. And I think maybe you've shone a light on maybe why I have committed the rest of my dancing career to making dance as inclusive as possible because my experience was it was very welcoming and I didn't need money to do it and I didn't need a certain history to do it, you know. So that's how I understand it can be. So when you came out of uni? Yeah, gosh, well, I was so lucky, really lucky, because I went straight into a job, which is almost unheard of. Um, Sorry, unheard of in contemporary dance land, in ballet land. That's a different trajectory. Uh, The director of the company that I danced with before uni, we had stayed in touch. To this day, she's still my mentor. Uh, The company was doing a big show in a festival. I graduated and she said, you better come back and choreograph on the company. Just such a gift. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, okay. Did that, choreographed in it, performed in it, and then at the in the, at the end of that project, she said to myself and another dear colleague and friend, right, the company's yours now. Away you go. Oh, my Lord. Was that so Luke? That was Luke, Luke George. George. So she handed Luke and I this extraordinary company and we were babies. And I remember opening up my first Excel document and going, what's, the, what's Excel? Because I had to write a budget. We had a triennial application due to the Australian Council in four weeks. You know, and all of a sudden we were ADs of this company and, you know. Writing grants. Writing tr- our triennial grant, which we got, and then we were away, which, which was extraordinary to be an AD of a triennially funded organisation at 22. So amazing. <laughs> and I was talking, when I was talking to David McAllister, because he took over the AD. Yeah. Kind of coming out as a dancer. Extraordinary. Quite young. Yeah. And again. And having to learn that leadership. But the great thing of knowing it literally from the inside out. Yeah. I mean, that's 
Gideon was the same. Yeah, and it's an extraordinary gift that goes both ways. Do you reckon a company in this current climate would take a risk on people who are so young? God, I hope so. Good Lord, I hope so. (laughs) Because, yeah, they're really bolshy moves to make, but where else do young leaders get that experience? They've got to be given a crack. Mm. to get going, otherwise it's just um, musical chairs sort of at that top echelon. Yeah. But boards, you know, are by their nature quite conservative and risk yes. adverse. Yes, that's true. Um, that's true. And I had the great experience that the board of this company had well understood the succession plan that was putting in place. They knew years before Luke and I did that this is what was going to happen. You know, so we were surrounded by Lucky all this you said trust. yes. I know. <laughs> I didn't know what to say, really. Yeah. But also oh, by taking by point. taking a punt on somebody who is so fresh, that's how you reinvent exactly. That's what I mean. An audience like, or a. That's why I hope that continues to happen because that's how the art form stays relevant. It stays connected to contemporary culture, and new leaders get made. Right. What was the so, biggest and toughest lesson that you learned? Oh wow. Well, still to this day, I'm learning it, how to stay really at the coalface of the practice when you're also producing and leading, you know, like how to stay on the floor whilst you're still writing that triennial budget. And companies with a lot of big, uh, you know, traditional hierarchical structures can do that. But for independent makers and small to mediums, that's not often the case. So staying close to the art is, is the big challenge. And as an industry, how can it be better as an independent artist? Uh, how could that be reimagined so that you could be more on the coalface? Or is that not possible? Well, the other side of that is being the control freak that I am that I don't want to. <laughs> you know, I I'm, happen to be the kind of artist that wants to be on the floor as well as managing the budget. (laughs) Not all artists want to do that and that's totally fine. Um, But in terms of putting in infrastructures where, um, you know, both of those things can coexist or, or artists and leaders can really refine their craft, you know, once again, it's the small to mediums that are trying to hold that space and support emergings and up-and-comings and other independents. And it is an ongoing big discussion of the role that larger companies need to be playing in that because they have infrastructure. Yeah. You know. Um, and it's interesting because my experience of being brought into dance, you know, went through being a young person, being welcomed into a creative life, I do feel a profound responsibility to that myself. Hmm. And you have become... Because someone did that for me, so the least I can do is think about and try and do that for somebody else, or if not others, right? Yeah, and I think you're that person for a lot of people. I don't know. I I don't quite know that yet. Somebody the other day did say, this is my mentor, and my jaw hit the ground. I didn't know that. (laughs) Isn't that funny? (laughs) It was quite a beautiful thing. Like Internally, I just went, ah, had a little wolf whistle for joy. But... um. I just think that's a huge responsibility to, yeah. to be, stay a part of that cycle. And also I want to keep working with those people that are up and coming as well because 
that's how it stays really interesting and alive and fresh, right? Yeah. As well as going, I'd also like to work with very experienced leaders in the community. What a great gift. But that idea that you can be a mentor without even knowing it. Yeah, that gave me a giggle. By just doing what you do and that people can see it and notice it and are following it and... Oh, it's a great privilege. I do. I really take it seriously. <laughs> it's a great privilege, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, because somebody did it for me, and that person is still my mentor. Isn't that interesting? If you were sixteen again, oh yeah, what would have you said to yourself? Uh, like to start dance at sixteen. It was it was bullshit, but I didn't know anything. Else. I just knew I couldn't not do it. Right? I was either going to save the whales or become a journalist. <laughs> but as soon as dance came into my life, it's like there is no other way in the world I want to be. This is absolutely how I want to be on the planet. I really didn't think about what if I don't get work? What if opportunities don't come? Oh, gosh. That's it. In retrospect, it was, I was so um, I don't think blind and fearless. Really thinks about that, well, I didn't they? think, well, I just probably didn't think about oh, gee, what would my creative life look like? I just knew that I needed one and wanted one. Yeah. Um, and the communities remain such a feature in your work. Yeah, I think because where I started was about contemporary dance being in a site-specific regional town and having relevance to that whole town. And that's how I understood dance, the role that dance would play in a society. So that was my understanding of it. Mm. You put on a show, literally the whole town turns up and there's people from the community in that show who come from all different walks of life. Like, that's what you're supposed to do. So, mm. so that because that was, has been such a formative part of my understanding of dance, that's what I'm most interested in. And not all dance artists are, and that's totally great. Well, dance as a practice can be quite... Um, elite or exclusive. Yeah. Well, I think it can appear that way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I feel, and I know, because technically I'm not so great, I know I'm never going to be a technically astounding Sylvie Gillen, right? But if I can work with somebody or give them an experience of contemporary dance, that means next time Sylvie Gillen comes to town, they'll buy a ticket to see her show, I've done something really great. Yeah. So in terms of staying at the coalface where I want to be for that reason, you know. And what can dance give somebody? Freedom! <laughs> everything. It can give you everything. Because it's, it's the truest form, I believe, of artistic expression. No, of human expression. <laughs> you don't need to have words, spoken words. You can be in any kind of body and be dancing. At any age, so it gives you everything. So many people, myself included, there's a caveat there. Yeah. Myself included <laughs> within certain contexts would say, I can't dance or I'm not a dancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's so common. It's really common and I love it when people say that to me. How do you shift that? Well, I just say, let's um, tell me about that and um, would you like to dance with me? Why, why, is, why have, as a society, are we so removed from our bodies or from that capacity to move and communicate well, with our bodies? only in Western society. <laughs> you know, so many other beautiful cultures around the world, there is no separation between where the role 
of dance and song and music lives in society as as a critical part of the health of that society. So it's a, my feeling is only really in Western society that separation happens. And there's all this perception around the ideal body type and um, what, what success looks like as a dancer, which is just dum-dum. Mm. <laughs> I'm about to turn 40 and I honestly, in my dancing body, feel it just like I did it maybe 26 you know so that whole thing around your dancing career finishes at a certain time we've got a lot to undo around that I forgot the question yeah I guess that, <laughs> it's about that barrier and those barriers yeah. to, to the practice yeah I don't know what we're afraid of I really don't know what we're afraid of it's, and it's amazing when somebody shifts it and I've had that experience Where? I was emceeing a friend's wedding and their instruction was that we just want everyone to dance and so I managed to get the cricket boys dancing. <laughs> yeah. I managed to get everyone dancing. And there was this one guy. Yeah. And he said, he's an older man, I don't dance. I don't dance. And I just kept working on him. Yeah. By nice. taking the piss out of my own movement because I, I don't yeah. dance in that traditional sense. Great. You know, like I can have fun with got. my body and I can let my body go and, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, How wonderful. And eventually he started moving and at the end of the night he came up and he thanked me and he said, I have not danced for 30 to 40 oh, years and I had so much fun. Yeah. And it was something about that permission just yeah. to be silly and not take and it seriously really and let it go. Exactly. And, and if you do that and everyone else does that, it doesn't actually, exactly. it doesn't matter if you don't know your exactly. steps. Or, exactly. I mean, at least that's, at least that's my perspective because yeah, totally I don't my do tactic the steps. Too. You know, that's like, totally my tactic. And it's quite phenomenal for him to come up and say, Thanks. Thank you. Like, you totally reconnected me to myself. Yeah. What a great thing to share with someone. So, what's your start? What's your. Same, same. Like, how any way that I can disarm that space so that somebody feels safe, I'll I'll do it. You know, that they might feel like they've got the courage and agency to hold my hand and join in. Whatever that might be, we might be sitting down in the chair together, you know, if, if they can't stand up or whatever it is. It's totally fine. Mm. Yeah, it's, I guess it's a, it's a joyful tenacity. Yeah. Right? And just exactly as you did at the wedding, just remind people that they can be safe and they're perfect just the way they are. Mm. And doesn't have to be serious. No. Like not it's okay to get it wrong? It, like not, there's no yeah, right and like wrong? Don't worry about the steps. I say that so often in when we do public dance experiences and workshops and things. So often I'll just say to folks, just don't worry about the steps. Just keep moving. And if you're smiling, you're doing it. You're actually doing it. So it's really lovely to, to disarm all that for folks. But I do feel it is very important within that to still understand and love and respect you know, techniques of dance that people de- dedicate their life to and actually how wondrous that is. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm just saying that because I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm making fun of it, you know, because I think it's the most precious thing in the world to me, certainly. Yeah, and that just ties back into what I was saying earlier. That's the reason I want to be at that coal face, to encourage people to think about where dance lives in society and 
how important and wonderful it is yeah. to our health as humans. And for some people, that you know, that's a space that they can access quite easily. Yeah, yeah. Um, but certainly for most people I work with, that's not the case, and that's what I love. Yeah, I did um, beginner's ballet, and that was a disaster. Good on you for having a crack. Yeah, I had a crack. Do you know what first position is? I'm still working it out. I would know first position, <laughs> I think. So you did better than me. Don't test me, though. <laughs> but there is that, like, you know. Yeah, totally. But in a, totally. You know, in another setting, I can dance. Oh, know, yeah. Like, yeah. I believe you know. we've spent time in those settings. Yes. <laughs> Potentially. <laughs> um, That's so true. What is it that yeah. dance can say that other art forms can't? Well, I mean, you say that this it's that innate or that. Yeah, I love it because I read a room or I read people by watching how they move. So for me, dance literally says everything. And I will watch someone dancing long before I'll say hello to them and start talking because I feel like I've learnt so much by just watching them. So, yeah, to me, dance says this is my identity. And it's undeniable. Right? Mm. I love that. That's why I love how honest it is. And also, because if you're pretending, people see straight through it and you don't feel so great in your body and you know. So mm. you, you just, you can't pretend. You can't, yeah, you can't. <laughs> you cannot fake it. Maybe that's what the barrier is. Yeah, I Maybe think so, that's what... That people feel they have to be something that they might not be able to be. Yeah, or just that fear or not feeling authentic. That's right, that lovely man at the wedding going, oh, well, I don't feel confident because if I stood up, I feel like I should be, you know. But he didn't have to at all. No. Yeah. Yeah, so to me, dance literally says this is who I am in the world. And you never have enough projects on. So what are some of the things you're working (laughs) on at the moment? I I know boredom's a big part of your life. (laughs) This is true, and still to this day I can't really say the word, but my mum would really scold us if we, we were not allowed to say the word bored. It's even hard to say now. We, were not allowed, we would get a slap over the head. Couldn't say. And we, we also weren't allowed to say the C word. Can you guess what that is? Um, country. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't allowed to say can't. Oh. We were not allowed to say in the house, I can't do it. And we were never allowed to say I'm bored. So to this day... And you never say busy? Nope. <laughs> BBC. But I do, I do have a real struggle with, yeah, oh no, of being bored. Uh, so what's on the radar? Well, I, I want to dance for as long as I can, to be honest. And do you know, it's funny, more and more I'm, I'm sharing space with young dancers, younger dancers, and every now and then I look around and go, oh my Lord, I feel... This is my own stuff, a bit of a fraud because I'm literally twice their age but jumping around in gold lycra hot pants with them, <laughs> you know, like but I have that moment of going, yeah, I literally could be your mother and we're doing this dance together, isn't that great? You know, so I want to keep dancing for as long as I can. I, don't, I absolutely don't see an expiry date on it in relation to age so that's a big one for me and within that... Lots of social dance projects. Somehow that's become a big part of my life. I'm not sure how that happened. No, truly, in that yeah. people go, oh, great, well, can you come and take that public dance workshop? Like, how did that happen? Because <laughs> I, 
I don't think I actively sought it. I really don't. Yeah. So, yeah, social dance projects with all people from all different walks of life in the community, that's what I love. Yeah, and as much as I can, I'd like to also keep performing professionally in, in parallel to hosting social dance stuff. I'd love to keep my, keep my own contemporary dance performance career going. And what's lined up this year? Gosh, this year. So, well, with all the Queen's men, we've got our LGBTI Elders Dance Club, which is a total joy. I mean, that is the ultimate social dance space because a lot of those people are coming without dance being the first thing on their mind. Mm. So that's a really great example of what dance can do in a social space. As we're hiding in the wings, waiting for it to start. Correct, which is very exciting. Um, Talk a little bit more about that project and what that space is. Dance club. So it's about agency. LGBTI Elders Dance Club is about providing an opportunity for our rainbow elders from all walks of life to come and spend a couple of hours with us with great music and food and they're welcome to have a dance with us and just socialise and just the importance of a safe cultural space for them where dance happens to be the catalyst. Mm. It's not about the dancing. Isn't it's that great? That's what I love about it It's about it the too. catering. Correct. It's always about, it's always about the ice bobos. <laughs> um, but dance plays such a vital role in it, and that's a place where a lot of people say, I can't dance, I've got two left feet. Um, so that's a really lovely, important, I believe, uh, example of dance playing a vital role in the health of a community. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's phenomenal in the sense that for same-sex attracted people, yeah. I think everyone can remember the first time they went into a nightclub totally. or a, a bar or something. Yeah. And you look around yeah. and it's, that's my, oh my gosh, they all, yeah. and just feeling yeah. the, um, I guess the weight off your shoulders yeah. and feeling You're completely safe, safe, safe and acceptable. Yeah. Um, and for the older LGBTI elders that Where have lived in exactly. closeted spaces exactly. or have lived in incredibly homophobic spaces exactly. or are living in aged care or facilities where they are not um, always completely accepted. But interestingly, just because of history and a moment in time, a lot of our LGBTI elders are of the generation where they all did socially dance. Mm. Yeah, Because that's where mum, dad and the kids went every Saturday night. Mm. That's where community business got done. At the social dance, mm. regardless of your sexuality or gender. So a lot of our elders have an experience of social dancing just historically. Mm. And yet they've then they've lived through yeah, everything else that came with the next wave of change, I suppose. Um, and then now, as you're saying, in that in that experience of coming back into themselves, can have all that dance DNA memory coming back out. Yeah. But now they're negotiating this whole different kind of intimacy with themselves and someone else. Yeah. I love that about actually this negotiated intimacy, which a social dance does beautifully because as soon as you hold someone's hand, you instantly have to negotiate intimacy within about five seconds, no, three seconds. Yeah. Isn't that great? And you just kind of work it out regardless of your gender, which I love. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And that's the thing in society more broadly, touch is not something that Yeah, happens. we do enough with, with agency. Yeah. That, you know, this is an important, interesting time to be talking about this with the hashtag MeToo and blah, blah, blah and all this great change coming. 
But my instinct is if we if we remembered those beautiful, um, oh, what's the word? The matrix around that social intimacy, the mm. way a social dance does, we'd be so much healthier. Yeah. You know? Well, it's even the, you know, the sense of sitting on the tram. Yeah. And people not even being able to sit touching. Totally. It's so strange, isn't it? These lovely things happened in the other social dance projects I've done where a lot of, because we always, we always, and we do it here at Dance Club, we'll do what we call a progressive, where you have to dance with partners and then you progress. So you dance with all the different people in the room. It's wonderful. And over doing that, those dances, um, young men, largely heterosexual men, I would say 18 to 35, that classic demographic, come up to me and say, the first dance I did where I had to be intimate like this was my wedding dance. Yeah, wow. I wish, I wish someone had taught me these life skills. I have found that really fascinating, that these young heterosexual men have said, Beck, I wish someone had taught me how to waltz. I really have missed that life skill. Because the generation before them, your granddad taught you how to waltz. Like, my mum was taught to waltz. You know, my granddad taught me to waltz. That, you know. um, so that's been quite fascinating, I just think, to see young heterosexual men going, I'm realising... To be able to dance with someone is a great life skill. Yeah. Because you communicate with a woman or another man, you know. And Isn't that, that great? And there is that sense of me hope. <laughs> wanting to dance and wanting Absolutely. to move. Absolutely. And having the parameters around Absolutely. doing that and in going, a way that I feels safe. I know how to hold my feels... partner. And we're cool. There's nothing, you know, untoward about it. I know how to hold this space. That's a life skill. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what are some other projects coming so, up? So uh, we've also got with... The collective I work with everybody now, we've got a bunch of our social dance projects. Um, you Should Be Dancing, which is one that we roll out in festivals where we just get people dancing, which is great, and show off who's dancing in the local community. And another project we have called um, the Inaugural Annual Dance Affair, which is actually a beautiful theatre show that's set in a social dance and the community are the stars of the show. So we've got about four of those this year in, you know, for the local council, in in a a, um, in a shed somewhere or in the civic centre. The great thing is they can happen in lots of different spaces. Um, yeah. So that's and you work so much also across <laughs> rural. That's what I love. Like regional. Yeah. Urban. I love that. So we just did a show in Outback Queensland to get people dancing. It was tough, but boy, it was satisfying. Do you know why it was tough? We, when it came to the show and we'd done all these workshops and people were loving it and the whole premise was to be dancing in the street, right? Literally take over the one street town, the main street of the one street town. Um, and interesting, when, when it came to showtime, unwittingly the festival organisers put on the rugby game on a massive screen behind the stage. <laughs> And then it's like, please welcome to the stage, it's Beck. And I come out, did it, did it, did it, having to do the number and get everybody dancing. And they're all watching the rugby. Oh. I was like, okay, this is very interesting. And how to negotiate that. And, you know, because to that community, that was, that was a very important ritual that was going on. But we'd also done all this work to get the community dancing and this was their moment. So there was this great crossover of people who were there to dance and people who were just glued to the rugby score. (laughs) And me kind of jumping around just like, over here, people, over here, over here, this way. (laughs) It was a very humbling experience. (laughs) You often have to work quite hard. (laughs) 
um, against uh, audiences that are not necessarily... Well, this was the great thing. That town loved it. Yeah. That town is full of decent, decent country folk who are scratching out a living on the dirt as cattle farmers, you know, and their experience of dancing might be someone plays a country and western song at the pub every now and then, you know. So I was so excited about opening up connection to body with them and they were totally, and they had a great time. But, you know, while the rugby's going on. What would be your one piece of advice (laughs) for somebody that doesn't think they can dance? Back yourself. Back yourself. You'll be right. (laughs) Just back yourself. Like when, and I know this because certainly in a nightclub, I will hide in the corner. I will hide until the floor is totally jam-packed shoulder to shoulder and then I'll get up and maybe have a boogie and then I'm away for life. So I understand that whole... Dancers are the worst in a uh, nightclub, can Well, I we're great say? once we get going. Once, get once we going. get going, it's like move over world. We got this. That's but... my space. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> That's so true. But, yeah, so I would say to the reluctant, shy, whatever, dancer, sitting in the chair, wallflowering, whatever, just back yourself. You'll be right. Have a go. Because most likely there's a lot of other people in the space feeling the same way. Mm. That's what I'd say. Because I, I feel that way too. But then, like you said, like at the wedding, once you get going, it's like the world is everything. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you. Pleasure, pleasure, treasure. I see you in the nightclub dance floor or maybe yeah, at the country that's western my space. bush dance or where else? Where we have, else? We, yeah, we have dance in a lot of places. In Brussels. Oh, in Brussels. I'll meet you in Brussels. So in Brussels. You know, a mecca of contemporary dance. Yeah. Quite seriously. I mean that quite seriously yeah, in yeah, terms of, whoa. Yeah. That, that's what I, I think I mean of doing the work I do, which I take very seriously, but still in absolute reverence and love for you know, contemporary dance as, a, as an exquisite technique that people dedicate their life to. Thanks for listening. You will find a list of episode notes at delvingintodance.com, as well as a set of links to a range of Beck's work. Delving Into Dance avoids sponsorship and instead relies on the support of you, the listener. You can leave a contribution online. Delving Into Dance is also grateful for the support of the Victorian government through Creative Victoria. Until next time, take care.